eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of Turning Two with Booney. I'm the executive producer of the Boone Podcast, Rich Rara, along with Gold Glover, Silver Slugger, Dad of the Year, Son of the Year, uh, and professional podcaster, Brett Boone. Booney, how are you? I'm good, Rich. We got a good one today, huh? Oh, we have a good one today. Now, as executive <laughs> producer of this podcast, I've been begging for about a year. Actually, my wife's been begging for about a year for a return of Sue Boone. And Brett, you know, the only reason I like working with you was Bob was my favorite player as a kid growing up. So we've been begging to have the Boons join us on the podcast. And that's exactly what we're going to have today. Please welcome uh, one of my favorite players of all time and the matriarch of the uh, Boone family, Bob and Sue Boone, our special guest here on Turning Two with Booney. Mr. and Mrs. Boone, it is such a pleasure to be able to talk with you today. Well, we're excited to to have a little time with you guys, so and to hear your breath a little bit. So, I just got done playing golf, so I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> so you're a lot like your son, then? <laughs> no, I can't play a lick. No, no, Rich, I'm a little more mature than my dad. I, I take it for what it is. I, if I have a bad day, I come home, I set the clubs down, and and I and I focus for a better day. But Sue, <laughs> dad, dad just. Dad just rants and raves. He's angry that he stinks. All right. But Sue, on the way home from the golf course, he calls me and tells me about how bad he was. <laughs> talking about talking about Brett. Oh. Well, when I call you, I just tell you about my golf, and it's the same thing all the time. <laughs> well, I, I'm so excited that you're joining us today. I'm turning to with Booney, and um, I feel bad, Brett, because last week was, was Mother's Day. And we forgot to wish your mom a happy Mother's Day. We forgot to wish Krista a happy Mother's Day. So a belated happy Mother's Day to you, Sue. Thank you very much. All right, Brett. Are you ready for us to find out everything that we wanted to know about you? I am uh, ready. Since this podcast has begun. You got it. Shoot. Do you want to, 
Do you, are you comfortable staying here with us, or do you want to leave the room? Oh, I, I want to listen. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Because I told we're you this go- is turning two with Booney, Rich. It's good for me. I, I'm in He's the. Going to get uh, embarrassed. Yeah. Oh. I'm, in the, I'm in the number two seat. It's great. I just sit back and listen. All right. So we're going to explore the mind of Brett, Aaron, and Matthew Boone on the program today. So, Brett, I'll let you chime in where you want if you think the stories are going the wrong way. You got it. Okay. So the first question I have for, for, for Mr. and Mrs. Boone, tell us the difference between the boys. Uh, obviously, you, you, you have the three sons. You have Brett, the oldest, and then you have Aaron, and then you have Matt. Uh, tell me the difference between Brett, Aaron, and Matthew. I don't know if you have enough time. <laughs> They're all different. How so? I was the best hitter, though. What do you mean I was the best defender as well? Well, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of putting myself in there first. Well, all right. I'll, I'll let you tie me. <laughs> I, but, but, you know, again, behind you, don't you have one of your dad's gold gloves? I do. I'm rocking. He's got so many. He didn't. He doesn't have enough room in the house for him. No, no. I think it's it's the other way around. Dad has more than me. He has so many. He didn't have room. So I rock (laughs) his behind me, next to mine. That's pretty pretty cool. (laughs) Sue, what's the difference between the boys, personality wise? Personality wise, uh, Aaron is the quietest of the three. Matthew, my youngest, is the most talkative. Brett, it kind of falls in the middle there. Um. They are, oh gosh, personality-wise. Brett and Matthew are probably more similar than Aaron. Aaron's a little, Aaron's like his father in a lot of ways. Quiet, pensive, uh, doesn't talk a lot. He just, uh, but when he does talk, he has something good to say usually. I I like hearing what he has to say. Yeah, we've been watching him. He he gets into one inning and he gets an argument (laughs) with the umpire. And gets thrown out. And I'm sure that happened to me once or twice. That is that is true, Rich. Let me chime in here. It is true. They're, they're both angry men. Dad is angry. Aaron's angry. And we talk about it all the time on the podcast. You know, during my career, I was known as the you know, the the red ass and and the chip on his shoulder, the cocky one. And and Aaron and Dad throughout the community, especially Major League Baseball, what are they known as? Oh, great men, solid. Men of character, but they're they're mean men and they're angry. <laughs> well, I was going to say because before it was you know Brett hair on fire. Aaron was always very nice and uh, well spoken, and when he was on TV. And now we turn around. Um, I I like watching uh, YouTube videos and watching Aaron get run just about every other day. <laughs> He's trying to hold up his team, <laughs> trying to That's- let his players know that he's pulling for them. So Aaron is Aaron is very loyal, very loyal. So consequently, he's going to support his team with everything he's got. And so, that's just how he is. So the three boys, which was the most, which gave you the most trouble as a kid? Which was the easiest? Brett was the toughest, probably. He pushed my buttons more than the other two. Aaron was absolutely the easiest. Um, never really had to reprimand him for much. Um, and his schoolwork was always really good. Brett and Matthew, you know, they both kind of gave me a run for my money, but you know, I won a lot of the times. Brett, what? Uh, what you want to comment? 
No, I think that's pretty accurate. Aaron was the kind of the model son. He, he, when mom said be home at, at, at 10 o'clock, Aaron was home at nine 50. If mom said, Brett, be home at 10, I'd call at nine 59 and say, mom, can I have another 20 minutes? And that's why I worked. Uh, that's how I worked the system. It's I, uh, you know, I'm raising kids now and especially my twins would, we, we've talked about a bunch in the podcast. Uh, my my other t- we talked about Isaiah crashing the car, but Judah's my one. He's he's charismatic and he pushes the envelope to a point. And, and but he knows when he's about to really get in trouble, he'll back off. That's what I think what I did with mom is I knew oh I'm a, I'm in a little bit of trouble, but now I'll back off and I won't get in too much trouble. Very rarely did I go over that line, but I think mom's right. I definitely pushed up against that line more than more than Aaron and. The thing that's that's unique about, uh, you know, Matthew's situation is when Matthew, we're, we're 10 years difference. So when I was in high school, Matthew was eight years old. When I was in college, you know, Maddie was 10, 11 years old when I was when I was leaving college. So I didn't get those years with Matthew and I was off to the minor league. So I didn't get to see Matthew in in his in his element as a kid because I was I was out doing what I was doing. So uh Mom's going to have the best, definitely the best perspective, but I can agree on, on Aaron being the model kid without a doubt, always had his homework done, always did the right thing, still does. And, and I tease you, I tease Aaron a lot about being mad and getting thrown out of games, but he, he is, he's that he, he's my brother. He's, he's, uh, he is a lot like my dad, impeccable character. They're, they're just good men. They always do the right thing still to this day, even though Aaron yells at umpires, as far as his his road in life, he's he's a pretty solid guy. Bob, how good is Aaron at getting run thrown out of games when he's out there arguing? You managed before. How how good is he at that? Uh, <clears throat> well, he keeps losing every argument, so <laughs> not very good. <laughs> and he's doing it. Uh, uh, he's doing it quick. So uh, hopefully, the the players. He's always defending players, which is right. very important important as the manager so you get that whole team together so they know they're that that skipper's pulling for them uh i didn't get thrown much uh sometimes when i managed but uh uh aaron's 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 superior (laughs) from what i've seen he had he had one argument that was taped uh, a couple years ago that was one of the funniest ones i ever heard what he was telling the umpires that uh he had he had fighters on his team and and uh, I never got into it that that much and Brett was talking about not being there with his kids. I was gone most of the times. So I played twenty years and and uh, there was a lot of road trips on that. So <laughs> mom here was the one that put them all together. I just go in once in a while and tell them what they were doing wrong, swinging the bat or something. But but uh, I was always on the road. It was twenty years of half of that time you're uh, you're on the, on road trips. So uh, mom had a lot of pressure on her. A lot of pressure. The greatest the greatest was when Matthew was born, and and Sue was pregnant. Uh, and, and she was, she, they had a, the date down of when she was going to have the baby. And uh, I got selected that year 
to be the starting catcher on the All-Star game. This is 1979, and, uh, the Seattle All-Star game. And uh, so there's a little pressure on me, and I talked to her, and I said, this was the only, this was the only All-Star game that I started. And so I asked her, I said, she's, you know, I'll, I'll bring the boys, I'll bring Brett and, and Aaron with me to Seattle for the, for the game. And my parents will come up and you'll be all right here. Your mom will be here. And she agreed that she would be. Uh, she wasn't really excited about it, but so she was going to have the, the birth at the same time I was starting the all-star game. And, uh, so I, I went there and then got a lot of publicity for it and talking to writers about, well, Bob, you're starting the game here, but your wife is in in uh, New Jersey having a baby tonight. And I said, yeah, but I'm getting to catch the, the All-Star game. And so I got some really vicious email or mails for quite a while after that happened. And she had uh, Matthew the night that I, I started the All-Star game in, in, uh, in Seattle. And Brett was there and, and uh, Aaron was there. My parents were there. Uh, but I, I missed having, <laughs> I missed being there for Matthew. And boy, you know, that kind of went around a lot. He actually missed being there for all three. He came in right when I was ready to give birth with Brett. He was up at the Cow Palace in San Francisco and they paged him. He was still going to Stanford at the time. He hadn't signed. And they finally got a hold of him and he got down there just as I was being rolled into delivery. So he did make that one. Aaron, he didn't see until he was <laughs> six, weeks. six weeks old because that was the year he was gonna make the team. And he went to spring training and you just didn't leave when you had a baby or anything back then. You just didn't. And it was fine with me. I was home with, with my family and Bob's family was there. And I said, go, you need to make the team. This is your time. I'm not keeping you from that. We'll see you when we can see you. So we ended up, I think I flew into Cincinnati and I got on the elevator and Pete Rose was on the elevator and Bob walked in. And that's the first time he saw Aaron and Aaron was about six weeks old. And then wow. he saw Matthew when he was about, four days old or something like that. Well, that year I was in spring training. I had already put in my contract with uh, the general manager that they would let me go home. And uh, I was having a real good spring and uh, talking to him, talking to Sue, and I was going to be the starting catcher. And I got, I got a little nervous. I thought, geez, if I take off now and go for five weeks when she has Aaron, you know, I don't want to give somebody else a chance of getting this job. I'm having a real good spring, and I'm going to be the catcher. And so near the end, I went and talked to him and said, I think I ought to stay here because I don't want anybody else taking, taking my place. And, uh, and that's so she she had Aaron, and uh, and I got to see them when they were uh, six, weeks, uh, six weeks old, and they flew into uh, Cincinnati. Uh, we were on the road to Cincinnati, so I saw Aaron when he was six weeks old. <laughs> See, Rich, now you know why Aaron and Matthew have daddy issues. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pressure in that game. Hey, and, that, see, and, and you see how I just turned out perfectly fine. Well, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> well, Dad was there for me. Right. He wasn't there for the I other mean, two clowns. 
(laughs) (laughs) You said that in front of your mom and you're going to get smacked when she sees you. But that's the thing that people don't understand about baseball families. And you're a, you're a three generation baseball family that for the dads, you miss half of everything. So I know when I worked, I used to have a sign in the living room and said, this marriage will be temporarily suspended for the baseball season. (laughs) And my wife used to tell me, she goes, you know, honey, I feel like a single mom because you're gone so much. So Brett, you saw it as a kid. You saw it as a father. Sue, explain to people what it's like to be in a baseball family, because we all think, oh, it's great. And the wives are dripping with diamonds and they have everything under the sun. (laughs) It's a lot of work, Sue. She ran it all. She ran it all. I don't take any credit for the kids. I, I just did it all to her. And uh, I'd run around and tell them, here's what you're doing wrong with your swing. You got to do this. <laughs> but she handled all of it. So I just let it run. You know, I think it's all relative. I think it's all what you get used to. I We got married when we were 19 years old. Yeah. I I didn't know anything. I didn't know any better. And back then you know you were a housewife you were a mother you took care of your kids and fortunately i didn't have to work outside the home i got to be there for all my kids growing up and it was absolutely wonderful i wouldn't trade it for the world i'd do it again in a heartbeat i think you know i don't feel like i did anything out of the ordinary we had back then you had uh your family was the baseball team The wives all stuck together. We were very close and we still are to this day. We're still close with all the, with the teams that Bob played with. And we supported each other when our guys were gone. We were there for each other when they were home. We got to spend some quality time. Now I'm having to deal with him being home 24 seven and it's driving me nuts. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't want me to go anywhere. And I try to explain to him, you know, it's, Running a house, running a household takes time and I have to do things and go places and get handyman in here to do things. And it drives him nuts. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know if he'll ever get it, but he well, just went on a trip with Brett this past week to go see Jake play for four days. It was fabulous. <laughs> I got so much done. I got to see my girlfriends. I got to go out to dinner. I had a wonderful time, and I told Brett when he came home, I said, when are you guys going again? <laughs> well, well Brett, I mean, this is the thing that I used to get in trouble for. When the season was over, I'd come home, and I'd mess up all the routine that my wife had for six months. Did, did you have that when you would come home? You'd mess up the routine of when the kids are going to bed, get them to school, and, and Sue, uh, same to you. When Bob would come home uh, during the offseason, everybody would say, Daddy's home, but he messes up everybody's schedule. Yeah. My kids would say in in September, my kids would say, oh, mom, October's coming. And I said, I know. And they said, oh, because they knew he'd come home and try to take over. And he couldn't. And he really didn't want to. I think he just felt like that was his job. And so it would take him the month of October to realize, I don't want to do this. It isn't my job. I'm just going to be a dad and barbecue and do all the stuff I have to do in the winter. But every year, my kids would say the same thing. Oh, it's almost October. <laughs> and that's well, why. I, well, Rich, in, in my case, I think the off seasons were, I didn't really have that that awakening until I was done playing. During, during my career, uh, the winter would hit. And I, especially the second half of my career, I'd, I'd take about a week off and I'd be back to getting ready for the preparing for next spring training. And a part of that was golf. 
you know, mom and dad, they had, they had a little bit different of a life because they got married at such a young age, had, you know, had me when they were 20 years old. So I was kind of around their whole life. Whereas my kids, you know, I had them a little bit older. Uh, and at the beginning of my career, I'd come home for the off season. And at the very beginning, there were no kids. So it was easy for me. I'd go golfing. I'd, you know, start preparing. We'd go on a trip here, a trip there. And now we're a month away from spring training and we're just kind of cruising to the finish line. Later in my career, uh, you know, I'd have my workout. So I'm going to work out every day. We're going to have a trip at maybe a trip at Christmas or Thanksgiving. Uh, might go on a hunting trip. And other than that, I'm, I'm getting up every day. I'm going to the cages. I'm going to the gym. And I had my, my uh, you know, my routine till we get to spring training. The rude awakening for me was when I retired and, and this is all I've known and all I've done my whole life. And I remember talking to reporters, they'd always ask me, Hey, you, you think about when you retire, unlike my dad or my brother who went right into the game when they, when they finished, I didn't have those uh, aspirations. I just thought to myself, and now looking back, a very naive thought was, you know, when I'm done playing baseball, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm going to go right off in the sunset and I'm going to go golfing and go on vacation. Well, I woke up about five years later looking around going, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. You can only golf so much. You can only go on vacation and party so much. Um, so I had some growing up to do. And, and, you know, looking back, life is so it's so funny because, you know, when I'm when I'm 22, I know everything. When I'm 30, I laugh at that 22 year old. And and then you're the 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 wily veteran at 36, 37. You think, you know, everything. And and now I'm looking back at 54. I'm looking back at that 37 year old guy ready to retire. And man, did he not know what what real life was about. And it was about to hit you. So uh, I suggest and to to, you know, my kids, it's like you keep doing things. I remember playing golf in Florida, that's where I lived in the off season. And, and I'd play with these gentlemen on the weekend. We had a weekend game and all my buddies were older. You know, they were they, my golf crew. There was a couple guys in their sixties, late sixties, all very well to do, you know, had been very successful. And I'd always look at them and I'd say, why are you still working? You know, you live here, you got plenty of money. And, and a couple times they said to me, Brett, never stop working. You know, when you stop, when you stop working, you start dying. That's what they told me. And I said, ah, whatever. You're just an old man. Well, I understand that now. And I understand that life is more than, than playing baseball, playing your career, finishing. Uh, it's about, you know, being a part of your kids' lives. Um, you know, mom and dad still to this day, a very big part of all our lives. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting road, a different road than my dad has taken, or as Aaron has taken definitely different road than Matthew. Uh, so we're, we're all unique in our own way, but, uh, I wouldn't trade, trade anything for the world. Bob, let me follow up with that. Then what's it like watching all three of your boys become so successful, such great dads, such great people in all their lines of work. Aaron, obviously very successful as the manager of the Yankees, everything that Brett's achieved in his life. And, and we talk about Matthew quite a bit, who um, I would love to have him do a putting green for me, but uh, his turf company is so successful. He just farms that out to everybody else. So unless I've got a major football field that he can help me with, I mean, Matt's become the king of turf on the West Coast right now. So watching all three of these boys grow up and be successful. What's that mean to you? Well, that's huge. It's it's our family, you know, starting with my dad, my mom. Um, 
my uncle, my mom's brother, was a doctor, and that's where Sue got sucked in <laughs> when we had babies. <laughs> uh, uncle George was taking care of them, and then uh, she she was pregnant when I was at Stanford my senior year at Stanford, and I had to stay at Stanford to uh, finish school and play in baseball. And Sue came home uh, to San Diego and and uh, when she was having bread. And I whipped down uh, <laughs> the night she had bread. I got there just in the nick of time. But uh, when then I graduated uh, that year and uh, I got sucked. No, I shouldn't say that. I, I got uh, pulled into the Army. Right. Uh, We've talked about that on and, the podcast. Uh, and so Sue and, and Brett moved in with my parents, and my dad just took over with uh, Brett. And Brett could do things when he was one years old. It was unbelievable, really. I mean, he could he could swing. He, he could hit a – my dad would be doing baseball with him every day, and he would throw pitches to him when he was one, and he could hit a ball over the roof of the house when he was one years old. And it was all from him being with uh, Grandpa that whole time. It was really he got the biggest benefit of all the boys uh, getting their getting their skills with baseball come in, and it all came from Grandpa. Tell me, because we often talk on the podcast, and and I know that you you all listen. We often talk about uh, Ray and Patsy. Mm-hmm. So, whoever wants to jump in first, Bob or Sue, tell me about tell me about Ray Boone. Well, they're all great athletes. Uh, you know, my dad was, certainly. Uh, he played at, at Hoover High School. Uh, he was about four years, five years younger um, than, uh, than Ted Williams. Ted Williams. Ted Williams, who was at Hoover. Because you went to Crawford, right? I went to Crawford. He went then, to Hoover, that's right. Yeah, and then my mom and my aunt uh, were – were, when they were born, they were twins. They're both outstanding athletes. They did they did everything. Great swimmers. My my uh, my mom's passed away, but her sister, my aunt Martha, is still a professional golfer. At, uh, She's ninety six years old. <laughs> I always call her going. I need a lot of help here with my golf. How about if I come home? We'll have breakfast, and you could take me out and show me how to swing a golf club. Um, but so there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of athletes in that, in that, uh, in that early, early time. And like I say, when I went, had to go in the army, uh, and Sue and Brett were living with my parents, my dad was taking Brett out every day and, and, uh, he really, he really taught him how to play baseball before he was one years old. And, and, uh, I remember, I remember Brett when we stayed with grandpa. But we'd go over there, and every morning after they read the paper together and Grandpa had his coffee, they'd go out in the driveway, and he would throw balls against the garage door and have Brett field them. And they'd do it for an hour, an hour, an hour, take a break. I and mean, how old was Brett at this time? Close to two, probably two. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, Brett did things. I mean, Brett walked when he was six months old. I remember walking through the store and he came up to my kneecap 
and he was walking and people would just stop and look at him. He crawled for two days and then he got up and he thought, forget this. He got up and walked. My other kids were normal, you know, a, a year old or whatever, but. Fred, are you taking yeah, all this yeah. in? Oh, I've been, yeah, I've been taking it in for years. I, I, I told you, it, they, and it seems like it gets better and better. I thought mom was going to say I walk when I was four months, no, but no. six months. She said she stayed pretty consistent. Obviously, I don't have a, a timeline and I can't remember back. I All I have is uh, videos, some pretty cool videos of, of uh, when I was really little and hanging when out with When he was Gramps. three, we were in Puerto Rico that winter. Bob was playing winter ball and Frank Robinson taught him how to play tennis. And he was down on the tennis court with Frank whenever they were home. And they, Frank, I have pictures of him with Frank, you know, hitting the tennis spot. Mom, I got video of that. Rich, you got to see this video. I, I got to video, see that. I got video with me and Frank playing. And after a while, I would get impatient and I would kind of do a happy Gilmore and just, just take a baseball swing and just hit it as far as I could out of the tennis court. And Frank would go, Brett, what are you doing? And I just said, I don't know. I felt like doing it. So I have some cool video of that. Frank what do they call it when you, when you get all your, your VCR tapes and you oh, yeah, yeah. transfer them to the modern day? I, I got to get those. Cause I got to see, I think we have a sponsor here. We need to get legacy box in here. Oh, I I'd like to know that. I'd like to, I have, yeah, a cause I've got, videos. we've got some cool uh, grandpa videos and all of us as kids, but they got to all be transferred over. We have one more, one more story about Puerto Rico. We were down there. Actually, it was the year that Roberto Clemente, they crashed the plane. That's the year we were there in winter ball. And that's why I remember it so well. But we we went down there and a lot of the snowbirds come down right. to Florida or Puerto Rico in the winter. And I would take Brett out to the pool. It was an Olympic-sized pool at this place we were staying in San Juan. Wait, and there was me, a high let dive. Me, let me go in first. My mom taught swimming forever. She was teaching that all the time. So Brett learned how to swim when he was walking. And... Uh, and she would take him in every every day. And then we were down there. We're Sue and I were sitting out. I'll tell the, the pool. story. You don't know what that and, was. And then uh, he came <laughs> out. He came out. Now take it. I take him to the pool every day to swim. And he didn't want to just go off the diving board. He wanted to go off the high dive. Sounds like him. And I said fine because I knew he would be fine. He had been swimming for a while. You know, he was all three years old at, at that point. He climbed up to the high dive. And I mean, some of those people down there freaked <laughs> out. They were, they were so nervous. Little toddler standing up there. So I had to set my chair right by the high dive so that I could tell people he's fine. He's fine. And he would dive off the high dive and he would actually do a flip off the high dive into the pool <laughs> when he was three. Wow. So, um, but all the people around there hated us. They thought we were some kind of criminal. <laughs> That's awesome. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, uh, Sue, I have to ask you about something. One of my favorite podcasts we've ever had, and I tell Brett this all the time. My wife tells Brett this all the time. Listeners have told us this. When you came on with us about a year ago, uh, it's been one of the best podcasts we had. And you talked about the original matriarch of the of the Boone baseball clan, which was Patsy. Tell us about your mother-in-law, what she taught you. I still remember she gave you a Pendleton blanket, I think pencils we've, and a coffee in a in a coffee thermos, right? They oh, are yeah. we call those pan. boon gifts. Pan, no, no. She gifts. told her to get an electric frying pan to take it wherever she needs to go. Right. Well, we call those boon gifts. Every year, because they would always give us something strange for a gift, but yet it was the thing we needed the most. So when I had my first bridal shower, Patsy came to the bridal shower and she brought me a Pendleton blanket, a Stanley thermos, a score book, and a pack of pencils. That was my shower gift. I used the, it was great. I still have the thermos. I still have the Pendleton blanket. And somewhere in the archives, I have the scorebook. Um, so when she, when we got married, I mean, to, to say that she was probably the best mother-in-law a girl could have would be understating it. She was phenomenal. And I remember her teaching me to pack. She taught me to pack. And back then, she, you know, she came over and showed me how to fold Bob's shirts and the best way to fold them to fit more in, because we took everything with us then. You know, we couldn't afford to go buy stuff wherever we went. So we had to take it. She said, and don't forget your electric fry pan. She says, you are going to use that more than you use anything. And she was absolutely right. I took it with me everywhere. I used it all the time. I still have it to this day. Great fry pan. Um, she was She was fantastic. She never, ever told me what to do or she just she was always just there supporting me and showing me what she said was the best way she felt worked for her and for me to try it and if it worked great and if it didn't she was always that way with me and it was it was great I mean I can't imagine having to figure all this stuff out myself because she gave me so many words of wisdom and she always said don't turn down invitations to do great things while you're playing. Well, Bob's playing. Go and do all the things that you can do together because it goes by so fast. Wow. And she was absolutely right. It does go by so fast. And I think we took advantage of most of it, but it was probably because Patsy said, don't miss out. Don't miss out. They were always there to babysit if we needed them. And my mom was always around to babysit if we needed her. And, um, so we did. And I was just talking to a friend of mine today, Jean Luzinski, um, who we played with Greg in Philadelphia. And she said, do you think we appreciated it when we were young? Because she says, now we're just old. I said, I know. I know. I said, I don't know if you will really appreciate your youth while you're there. You probably not as much as you should, because <laughs> we really did have fun. We had a great time. 
Bob, we always st- we we talk about the Boone baseball men, Ray, yourself, um, Brett, Aaron, and Matthew, and and we could talk about Jake and and all the grandkids. But we talk about the Boone women because Sue, I feel like I know you. <laughs> Because we talk about you so much. Uh, I feel like I know what Patsy was like because we talk about her so much in the podcast. And then, you know, Brett is going to brag about his daughter. Bob, talk about the strong Boone women that have helped these Boone men achieve so much in life. Well, they handled everything. (laughs) You know, my mom was there uh, supporting all the time from high school on up and all the, you know, I played basketball and baseball and she was always there. <clears throat> she was always with my dad who was scouting and she had that knack of, of keeping all those, those charts uh, the whole time. So, uh, you know, she was a great mom and, and, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, we had a, we had a great home, home, uh, living place. It was just, fun place to live and and she was great and my dad was great and you know <clears throat> I spent my time growing up going to the ball game going to the ball games with uh, uh to watch my dad and he he had gotten the big leagues when the when the Cleveland Indians were going to their first world series and uh, the, the players I would go to I went to all those games, and and I was two years old. <laughs> you couldn't go into the locker room then. I don't know what they held it, 15 minutes, 20 minutes after the game, and then they'd let kids go in. So that's something I always remember going into the, the locker room with the, the Cleveland Indians <laughs> at that time, and that's where I grew up. And then, and then uh, all the years my dad played, I could go to the ballpark with them and and do the things and go out and shag in the outfield and and hit swing once in a while and and uh, you know our boys got to do that not to the extent that I got to do it when I was being raised that way but you know my mom was there for everything she was always with my dad <laughs> they were, they were both at every game you know my dad's a scout my wife I mean my mom's she's keeping all the statistics all the time so it was like uh what's what's our life like oh, it seems to be revolved around baseball <laughs> and it stayed that way for the next 50 some years well while i played and it was kind of you know here's how i was raised here's how i want my kids to be raised and they had the they had a, a great setting with the, when i went to the phillies which was my first team that the kids got to come in, Aaron and Brett got to come in and work out and shag fly balls when we were taking batting practice and do that. A lot of other teams didn't allow that. So they were raised. I know <laughs> when we were in Philadelphia, if if I would leave early for the ballpark and not wait for them to get home from school, Oh man, I had, we had, they were so angry. Sue's calling me, you got to take the kids and they're crying and, and doing all those things. Cause, but the great thing with the Phillies is the Phillies let that happen. So they grew up at the ballpark, coming out with me, meeting every, every coach, every player and uh, being around them. And they knew 
okay, something's happening right now. They knew you guys get out of here. <laughs> you can't hang around right now. You got to get out of here. And they were great at it. They got, uh, but they got brought up in that. And that's where you're hitting and throwing and catching and going to the outfield. Uh, that the year that Matthew was born, <clears throat> and I said when I went there and caught the All Star game in in uh, Seattle, uh, I got to take. I left Sue at home to have the baby, and I took Aaron and Brett with me. That was part of the deal. I said, I'll take the boys with me. And they got to work out before the this game in the All-Star game. They were out in the outfield catching balls off the wall. It was unbelievable. Wait, wait, didn't, one of you, didn't one of you have a trick catch, Brett, where you catch balls behind your back? Yeah, that was Who, me. That was you? Okay, yeah. see, Sue, now we know why he he walked in two months. Pete, that was from Pete Rose, wasn't it? No, Tug. Oh, Tug. Tug. Yeah. Tug, Tug, used to, Tug used to do it all the time. That was kind of his yeah. moniker. And I kind of looked at him when I was little, and I said, I can do that. So I started doing it when I was little. And then I would bring it up, and I'd break it out. You know, during my playing career, I'd sit there sometimes right before – in front of the dugout before the game, we'd get loose and I'd catch every ball behind my back. I always did that. I always did. That was fun. But that came from Tug. I got the well, idea from Tug. Well, here's what I think is interesting because all three boys had similar upbringing, Sue, but they all had their own piece of their dad onto themselves. So, you know, as Brett's the oldest, he was around in Philadelphia and he told us that he wore that little Philadelphia Phillies uniform. Yeah. And then, and then Aaron after Brett went off to school, Aaron was around a lot during the Angels years. Yeah. And then if you ask George Brett which of the which is your favorite of the three Boone boys, he's going to say Matthew because Maddie yeah. was around a lot in Kansas City. So right. they all had similar stories, but they all got to have a little piece of their dad unto themselves, Sue. Yes, they did. They did. And yeah. I mean, and I think they're all grateful for that because like he said, he was gone half the time. But um, when he was there, he was with them because they got to go along with him all the time. And, I, you know, they were very fortunate. The great thing happened in that time or that era, I guess, in baseball. And or the, the Phillies encouraged us to bring kids in. And then you started worrying when some of the other kids were coming and they couldn't do all the baseball things. Uh, but they got to learn about that. They got to see us all the time and learn what baseball was about and how you lived it. And uh, it, it was it was a tremendous way that they were raised. And, and for me, that I got to bring them to the park and work out and train. I know they learned, they learned running around. Something would always happen with the major league team. And the kids learned, hey, you better get out of here now. Right. Oh, the, you can <laughs> the feel that chill. You guys are gone. Get out of here. <laughs> no, no, Brett, Brett, did you appreciate it as much as you is is you do now? Because, like, so, Sue, I'll tell you this. So I have a 22-year-old son. He's uh, just a little younger than Jake, and, and he looks to Brett as a mentor. So every once in a while, Brett will call and check on him, or, or he'll call and tell Brett, here's what's going on. My son called me the other day. He says, Dad, I don't think I appreciated the fact that I got to grow up doing my homework in the press box while <laughs> other kids were, you know, doing whatever they're doing. I don't think I appreciated the fact that we got to play catch when the team was on the road. Uh, so, Brett, did you appreciate and understand how special of an upbringing that you had? Not at all. I, I think at the time, I mean, 
and and now I look at kids and that's why I have a lot of grace for kids because I think they're kids. They don't know they're going to bump their head. They're going to learn life lessons. When I was a kid, I was just a kid and I expected this is my life and this is what dad, this was dad's job. Right. It wasn't anything special. And and I think I've talked about it a lot on the, on the podcast. I had a, I had a great group of friends, uh, little man early in my life, the little man and his brother, uh, because they didn't make it a big deal. You know, now I look at it and yeah, of course. And we grew up in New Jersey and in that little town of Medford, it's a big deal that, that Bob Boone and Greg Luzinski, who Greg was right across the lake from us. We kind of grew up together with the Luzinski family. And of course, two, two prominent Philadelphia Phillies are living in the neighborhood you know, I, I've lived that life now, so I know it is a big deal. But to us, it wasn't. And to my friends, they didn't make it a big deal. It, it was always downplayed and not a big deal. So I didn't think it was a big deal. I went to the ballpark every day. Like I said, I it was take your take your son to work day for me. Only it was every day. And I got to, you know, I got to, we talked about this before, Rich, in 1980 when, when the Phillies won the World Series. I slept at Pete Rose's house that night. That wasn't a big deal. And I got up the next day and we went to the, got on the float for the parade. And I still have pictures of me on the float and I'm sitting there kind of like, when's this going to be over? You know, I got stuff to do with my buddies back at home, but now fast forward to adulthood and looking back on my childhood. Oh, how cool was that? And I appreciate it a lot more and, and really look, uh, to my child, it was such a special time for me. Some of my greatest baseball memories are are not just from my career, but from my childhood, watching dad play and being around those great Philly teams and the guys I used to hang out with. But no, as a as a kid, I didn't didn't appreciate it at all. It was it was almost like my right to go to the ballpark, have my uniform, and and go out and work out with these guys. But looking back, uh, I couldn't imagine a more special childhood, especially because it was what I grew up to do. And what we all grew up to do is to play professional baseball. What a training ground. And you know what I always say, I don't know how much it helped me, but I know it didn't hurt me. So yeah, nothing but special, special times. You mentioned grandpa. Grandpa was a huge part of my life uh, all the way to the end. I mean, right. he was, he was, we were just always close. Gramps was Gramps. You know, he'd give me a hard time. Uh, all the time. He never wanted to give you any credit. You deserved it. But no, and I told you, you'd walk away and he'd tell anybody within shouting distance how great his grandkid was. So I knew that. And, and it was a cool thing. It was uh, no awesome relationship. And I really had a, a cool, cool childhood. And mom, you know, dad mentioned it. I remember grandma Patsy, uh, the sweetest lady in the world that put up with my grandpa who could be a pain in the ass. Um, but she was, <laughs> she was such a special lady. And, and Sue Pat, and Pat's Bob on the back for those listening. Yeah. Um, okay. it, it, it just a lot of things. And now mom's taken, you know, I, I remember when I was playing and grandma's still alive. And I used to think, wow, this, what this woman has seen, you know, from right. a baseball standpoint, she grew up with watching grandpa Ray play his career, watching dad throughout his career. She's at my games, right. you know, getting to see some of her grandkids at a little league level. I mean, she got this and I'm thinking, what has Patsy Patsy Boone is the most educated female. She's seen more baseball games than probably anyone on the planet 
that you know before she died probably at that time so mom's getting to that point now where i look at mom and like wow mom's kind of taking over for grandma patsy she's probably seen more games than any woman probably on earth to this stage <laughs> um you talk about grandpa and uh, he scouted for a long time after he he retired for the red sox <clears throat> and yeah and he uh his best saying he would tell the scouts just don't doubt a boon. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was him all the time. That was you know, grandpa's you know, mantra. Don't doubt a boon. And, you know, yeah. And he From was Daniel always all him. the way down to Jake. And That's he right. was always selling. He said, "Don't doubt a boon." Sue, yeah. I yeah. I have to know because I've seen the pictures of the boys in their little Philadelphia Phillies uniforms. Right. Where did those come from? Because we didn't have fan stores where I could walk into the mall and get little kids' uniforms. Well, like Bob said, we Phil, never the, Phillies, one. the Phillies were very family-oriented, and they got them every year when they played in the father-children's game. Oh, okay. And um, they get, and it was uh, authentic jersey, authentic pants, everything. They were they were great, and they got one every year. And uh, so that's how they got them. You still have and them? That's all? What? Do you still have them somewhere? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I've got. Brett, them. I, I have to see. One, I have to see pictures of those one day, Brett. I have. I definitely yeah. have those, and I know exactly where they are. And then that's also. You were saying that Brett grew up with the Phillies, Aaron with the Angels, Matthew with Kansas City. However, Aaron had a lot of Philly too. Yeah, yeah. And that's where all his impersonations started. When let's talk about like okay uh, let's go down that old. rabbit hole because we've talked about that brett said that you know Aaron, how much younger is Aaron? four years, four years. Four years. so brett and the little man and and the rest of his friends would go out and um i'm not sure brett wanted to take Aaron with them but i think all the friends loved Aaron and said come on bring him along and it's hard when you're there's a four-year difference and you know they're he's four they're eight they're eight he's they're 12 he's eight they're much bigger than he is but Brett said that he would sit there and, and call the games and do impersonations and and uh, would oh, be Harry oh, yeah. Callis and everything else. Tell me about that, Sue. He, uh, from the time he was little, he always used to do impersonations. And he was good at it. And it was fun to watch him. But I remember when he was, oh, I think he was probably about four or five. And Bob's parents, I still remember the time they came to visit. Bob's game was about to start on TV. And Aaron was allowed to have the family room during that time. So we had two couches and then the TV was in the center. And if you weren't going to play the game, you weren't allowed to sit there, period. And I allowed Aaron that because he was so serious about it. He played the pitcher and then he played a position and he played all nine innings. I mean, he was sweating by the end of the game. And I remember Bob's dad wanting to go over and sit on the couch and Aaron says, well, are you going to play? And he said, no. And he goes, well, you can't sit here. This is the dugout. You can't sit here if you're not going to play. And and Ray thought he was, I was absolutely nuts for allowing that to happen. But Aaron, that's, he sang the national anthem, put his hand over his heart. He did the whole thing. Aaron. And that was just. I allowed him to do that. I thought it was important for him because it he, meant a lot to him at the time. It really you know? did. And, yeah. and Rich, it, it was. I mean, because I, yeah, 
it was my group of friends and uh that's the difference between me and Aaron. Aaron was that animated and he wanted to play the game. He wanted to announce the game. He he did all of that stuff. Now, as the big brother, I, I really wasn't into that stuff, but I knew Aaron was. So I'd let him do it. And it, it didn't bother me taking Aaron, uh, letting your little brother tag along. I would let him tag along as much as as whatever. If it was if it was a spot where where he would be able to to really interact with my buddies. If we were going out and chasing girls when we were in seventh and eighth grade, Aaron's not coming. But going down the street to the Stoltz's house or or uh you know, we're gonna go play wiffle ball or street hockey or whatever we did back then, I liked bringing Aaron along because Aaron was always fun. He was always if he if if the game got too hot for him and the kids were too old, well, then he would just announce the game. But most of the time, my friends were very cool and and they liked having Aaron along. He had a lot of personality. Uh, he had this little squeaky voice when he was a kid and, and he just, he was charming and people liked having Aaron around. And as a big brother, uh, you know, you, you, a lot of times big, big brothers and little brothers, they don't get along. Me and Aaron got along great. And I loved having him along. So I'd always try to make him a part of it. I, I, like I said, unless it was uh, things that weren't appropriate for my four years to, to my, uh, to my junior to be there. But for the most part, we hung out a lot as kids and, and my friends uh, were, were very welcoming to that. One more Sue about the, the young Boone boys growing up. How often did you have to use this phrase when Bob was on the road and and Brent and Aaron and Maddie were home? You wait till your father gets home. Um, I don't think I used it a lot, to be honest with you. I even I, with Brett. Oh well, maybe I heard it. I'm a few not times. saying I didn't ever use it. I didn't use it probably as much as people would think because he was gone for a week at a time. And it didn't do any good to go over something a week later unless it was something important rich i'll give you an example if dad's coming home saturday i was smart enough not to act up thursday or friday because it would be too fresh in mom's memory i'd do all my hijinks monday tuesday mom would threaten me on tuesday wait till your dad comes home saturday but I know she's going to forget by then and I can butter her up by that. So I was, I was, I was a conniver. I knew how to work the system. So Sue getaway day was awful. Cause you had to pack Bob to send him on the road and you knew that Brent was going to start acting up. Uh, not always, but yeah. Yeah. I had to keep <laughs> close tabs on him, and you know, that's just Brett. But to this day, it's really nice. We're very close. I'm really close with all my boys, but uh, I talked to Brett I think every day, mm -hmm. practically. And it's kind of nice because people always talk about how mothers and sons, once the sons move out and go on and get married, they're not as close. And I haven't, that isn't the case in our house. You know, my boys are all very close and I talk to them all the time. Aaron is the, I talk to him the least, but he calls me at least once a week, if not twice a week. So yeah, I talk to them all. So, I lost my mom a couple of years ago, but she used to remind me every once in a while I call her, I'd be frustrated with my kid. And she goes, well, you know, God only gives you what you deserve. <laughs> yeah. Right. So That's she, uh, yeah. So she would say, well, you were awful. And if your kid's uh, being a pain, you deserve it for everything you put me through. So we told a story uh, a couple of weeks ago, Brett told the story about uh, uh, Isaiah 
uh, with his electric car backing into the garage door. And then he also told me the story about the time that he borrowed his dad's truck without permission. The Bronco. The Bronco to go skiing. And then he blew the transmission and got stuck and, and everything. So, so tell me about watching your boys uh, who, you know, for the most part, I think we've all agreed, Brett was the most trying, Aaron was the best. And, and, and Matthew's, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the king of the group because he's become so successful afterwards and everything he's done. Um, tell me about the boys now having kids of their own and you get to remind them, well, you know, when you were a kid, you did this. <laughs> well, I think Brett said it right at the beginning of the show. Judah is his, his one that is the most like him. And he pushes all Brett's buttons and pushes them right to the edge until Brett has to break down and say something. I think that's it. And as far as uh, Aaron, Aaron's got a whole different setup because they have the two adopted children from uh, Haiti. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, his son is the, the his natural born son is um, a lot like Aaron. Really smart, really smart. And um, he just called us up, what, a week or so ago and told us he took the SATs and he got scored. What's the highest you can score on it? 1,600? No, yeah, he got a 1,520. 1,586. Wow. And he said he's going back and taking it again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because no. it upset him that he didn't ace it. Well, that's why we have <laughs> that's why we have Stanford grads in the family and Princeton grads and then uh, those others that went to USC, right? The SC undergrads. <laughs> we're, we're the undergrads at SC. Well, Bob, Brett was telling us the other day that, you know, you do have that that little thing to hang over the head that you went to Stanford, they went to SC, but now Jake went to Princeton. <laughs> so him and da Jake and Dad can argue about it. Who's smarter? Yeah. We do. Okay, <laughs> okay Bob, I got to ask you a question because we this is all the stuff we talk about in the podcast. Tell me about playing against Brett's team and then coaching him because you had the unique opportunity. I think Brett, you told me in the minor leagues, you played against your dad. And I think Aaron was on your dad's team. And then your dad was your coach in Cincinnati as well. So Bob, talk to me about being on the field with and against your boys. Well, <clears throat> for me, the, the great part of that is this when I started managing and I had, I had Brett and I had uh, uh, Aaron, <clears throat> is that I could see them every game. And my whole career, I didn't get to see them. I didn't get to see them play their little league and, I, and all their games are coming up uh, because I was playing in the major leagues. And then when I got managing, started managing in, in the major leagues, and I had my kids ended up on my team. And the great part of that for me was I got to watch him every day, you know, and I had to, we had to train him to say, look, you're just, I'm the manager and you're, you're a player. And that's how I reacted with them. <clears throat> but for me, I got to watch him play every game at a, at a major league level. And that was very special for me. And uh, that was, was that difficult at all? The what? Was that difficult at all? No, to separate the two, having your boys going, I get to see them. This is uh, God's given me a gift here. I get to see them a little bit more, but you still have, you're still professional. 
Yeah, and, and no, it was a joy for me because when they weren't uh, major leaguers, I didn't get to see them. I'm playing every day, and so were they <laughs> at a different field in a different league. And uh, so I didn't get to see them play then. You know, I'd catch them, or, you know, I'd get some some little TV time. But when I started managing and they got to the major leagues and played for me, the exciting factor for me was, yeah, with them, I'm the manager, you're the player. But every night I got to sit in that dugout and uh, watch them like I was their dad watching them play. And that was, for me, a tremendous thrill. I don't think Bob had a hard time, though, separating the manager from the father. He's always been, he's been able to do that. And the kids, I think, really respect him for that because that's just how Bob is. He knows as a manager, he's Bob's going to be straight with them and tell them exactly what they need to hear, whether they want to hear it or not. And then as a father, he's going to be their father and guide them in any in whatever direction he feels is important. Bob, all three boys have said this. I think I've read from everybody. I know Bob, uh, Brett says it all the time. You never put any pressure on them to play baseball. So no. many parents now, um, again, my son's about the same age as Jake and going through Little League and, and, and travel ball and all the rest. I see all these parents out there and they act like maniacs. And uh, in today's day and age, these parents are paying five, six, seven thousand dollars a year for their kids to play travel ball. And they put so much pressure on them, whether they have the natural ability or the God-given talent. Um, talk to me about what your thought is when the boy said, we want to play baseball. Uh, nobody ever said that. <laughs> no? <laughs> they were just playing all the time. We were going from Little League games, and, and we knew it. I mean, I knew it, and they had the skill to do it. Uh, so so that, you know, and teaching is, is really talking sometimes like you can't do this, you've got to do this. But in bringing them up, you know, that was a thrill for me and for them, they were doing it on their own. And I'm, if you're ever around me, I've got a lot of opinions. So, so poor Jay, uh, Brett's son, Jake, who's a really good player, you know, I'm giving him advice all the time, more than Brett does. And, you know, and he'll swing at a pitch, a bad pitch up in the strike zone in his game. And after the game, I'll talk to him, boy, you had a really good swing at this at bat and that at bat. But, you know, you can't chase this one and swing that hard. Uh, you know, so I'm always – I'm talking about baseball people, about baseball stuff that I know. And, uh, you know, Jake gets hit with a lot of that from me, more probably more than his dad gives him. But, well, I'll tell you, uh, Rich. That was the yeah. way it was just coming up. It was a thrill for me. But I, you know, I do, and, and dad does because, and I tell Jake this all the time, uh, Jake, that's what grandpas do because that's, that's, what my, did. that's what grandpa used to do to me. I mean, I've, you know, I've told the story a hundred times. I'd come out of that, that clubhouse after the game, uh, family's waiting for us and gramps is always waiting and he's sitting in the back. All my, you know, all my aunts and uncles are waiting for just me to say hi, but gramps always had to have a special time with me. He was going to be last and I was going to go over and we we're going to talk about the game. And it didn't matter how good of a game he'd be. A, he'd be a little bit. He'd be easy on me if I had a real rough game, but if I had a really good game, three for four drove in three, maybe hit a Homer, 
I mean, that first question is, what happened that fourth at bat? And I say, Gramps, what are you talking about? What about the three hits? I don't care about those. I want to talk about that fourth one. So I was used to it, but I knew that's what Grandpa did. That was Grandpa. That's what Grandpa's did. And, and my relationship with Jacob is kind of like my dad's was with me. Dad's going to have his opinion, but he's usually going to wait for me to come to him. I take that approach with Jacob. He has a rough game. I'm not going to sit him down after the game and talk about his rough game. I'm going to let him sit on it. Hey, tough one, kiddo. It happens. <laughs> and maybe the next day he's going to give me a call. Dad, in that second at bat, I just, you know, and now we'll talk about the game, whereas grandpa's more more apt to just come, hey, that swing, you went really hard at it. <laughs> and I'll just sit there and Jacob, and I'll look at Jacob. I'll say, Jacob, this is what grandpas do. Okay, and I got to know this. Jacob guy. understands that. I've got to tell you, in that, yes. in that mix, one of the funniest things that I ever heard, my dad was dying. He was in the hospital. <laughs> Brett's in, uh, had come up to Anaheim. They were playing there. So I said, you know, he was in the hospital in San Diego. So he finished a day game. So we talked about, well, we're going to have to run run down and see Gramps. So <laughs> the two of us go down. Uh, my dad's in bad shape. <laughs> we, go to the, we go to the hospital and we go in to see. Brett's playing with... Uh, with uh, Seattle. Seattle. Seattle, so we go into the to where he's in the hospital, laying in the bed, and we come in and we're talking, and uh, <laughs> my dad starts asking him about how are you doing, and he said, you know, I've really been struggling, Gramps, the last week and a half. I've been doing this and that, and my dad's just laying there, and he's on his deathbed. He says to Brett, Brett's talking about, I've really been struggling the last week. And he used to hit the way he held the bat. Right. My dad used to get on him all the time about, you can't hold it like, you can't hold the bat like that. You've got to hold it like this. And so we're in the hospital. And, and the first thing my dad asked Brett is, how you doing, Brett? Brett said, oh. Gramps, I've really been I've been struggling the last week and a half. And my dad just he raised his arms up and put his his hands together like Brett held the bat. And my dad used to tell him, you can't hold it that way. <laughs> and all he did, he laid back and, and just went, Oh, you're struggling now? Well, you can hold the bats like this. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Wrap that top hand, baby. Wait a second. I said they just popped in my head because we were talking about the hospital. This just, this just popped in my I don't think I, we've ever asked this. Sue, All-Star Game Seattle, the the Boone men are up doing baseball stuff. Uh, you said that, that your folks there with you is you're having the baby the same game as the All-Star Game. I, I have to ask you this question. Did they have a TV for you to watch the game while you were delivering the baby? No. Oh. No. I was wondering if you got a chance to see the game. But plus, I was delivering, and the next, and we got into our room uh, the next morning, and I'm laying in my bed, and there's something floating down from the ceiling. And I look at my roommate, and I said, do you see something floating down on your bed? And she said, yeah. And it turns out to be ashes, and all of a sudden, they're shoving, throwing the babies in our room on a cart and say, get out the window. The ho hospital's on fire. <laughs> we had to evacuate out the window with the babies 
And I had to wait in the parking lot and Gene Luzinski came to pick me up. And this was after having a C-section. It was brutal. holy no Bob. No wonder people were writing you letters complaining. Oh, it was it was not. Uh, <laughs> I, I I didn't. I kind of put the letters down because you know when I was there in uh, in Seattle for the for the uh, for the starting the game, and you're getting you know getting interviewed by a lot of different people, and it became a big deal that. Oh, I'm here catching a game, and my wife is in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania or New Jersey, having Matthew. And from there, I got a lot of mail that they they weren't real happy with me uh, that I was doing that. Is that you went to play baseball and your wife's having a baby? What kind of they also they also changed Matthew's name on me because I went into the hospital and I we were going to name him Joshua David was going to be his name. And they voted in the clubhouse and they told me, <laughs> I think it was on TV, on national TV. They said, we voted down Joshua David and voted for Matthew Joseph. And so I changed wow. the name to Matthew Joseph because in the paper the next day they had said, Sue Boone, wife of Bob gives birth to Joshua David. That was Lou Brock that changed the name. Now nah, it sounded good though, didn't it? Well, the, now, the, now the best part of the story is a couple of years ago, was it last year, Brett? Uh, you what? gave Matthew a really special no, no. gift. Dad did. Dad oh, very did. cool. Yeah. yeah. The, you, 79, gave... the 79 ring. <laughs> yeah, from uh... the All-Star game. The All-Star game. Matt, yeah. Matt has it. Is, uh, I mean, talk about a family heirloom the day that yeah, you were born that, in that... the All-Star game. Yeah, Dad decided to give it to Matthew for – it was his birthday, right? Right. Yeah. Birthday. Yeah, and wow. I just thought, you know, you think about it birthday present you get a cool birthday present but that was well thought out and i thought what what a cool thing we were at that all-star game maddie was born yeah and then fast forward 40 years and maddie gets the ring and and matthew i i remember that day when he got it he was kind of looking at me like that is one of the that is maybe the coolest gift i've ever oh, gotten i thought about it it's incredible. awesome it's awesome um it's convenient <laughs> another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sue, I have to ask you a question. Okay. Just like Patsy and all the games that she's seen, you're you're right there between Bob, the boys, and, and now we're gonna watch we're gonna watch Jake and, and and others. Um tell me about sitting in the stands watching these boon men play. You <laughs> kept score, but there's probably also fans, especially Philadelphia, uh going on the road. 
uh, going to Yankee Stadium to watch uh, to watch Uncle Aaron manage or watching Brett. You probably have a story or two of sitting in the stands watching these Boone boys play or hearing something from the fans in the stands. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of stories like that. I, I mean, I saw so many games. I, I'm trying to – the year – actually, the year we won the World Series in 1980 – I remember Bob didn't have a great year that year. He had kind of an off year. His batting average was low. He sat on the bench off and on. And I remember right at the, we were in the playoffs uh, or going to the playoffs if we won. We went to Montreal. And I was at home and I was watching the game. And Danny uh, Ozark had put Bob on the bench. And he wasn't catching that game. And we ended up, it got to, I can't remember the details like the guys can, but I remember in the ninth inning, I think Mike Schmidt got up and hit a home run, tied the game. And Danny had Bob come in and pinch hit. And I remember I was so upset because I thought, Lord, I have been praying so hard that Bob would have a good series. He hasn't really been in and done anything. But now you are going to make him the goat by putting him in after they've tied up the game and he's got a hit. And sure enough, he gets up and he doubles down the line and they end up winning the game. It throws him into the playoffs with Houston. That was one story. I was, I was amazed. And Bob went on to have a fantastic playoff series. And I remember going in to see him after the Houston series before we went to play Kansas City for the World Series. And Bob had hurt his foot. And um, could hardly broken. walk on it. Just, I mean, just broken. Yeah. And I went, they ushered all of us wives down into the clubhouse so we could be with the guys and celebrate and everything. And I went down there and Bob was nowhere around. Everybody else was in the clubhouse. And they took me to the back room and Bob was with the trainer. And I remember him. He had a pillow over his face. And I looked at his foot. And from the ankle down to the tip of his toes, it was black. It was just black. And I thought, I, I, I mean, I know he played in a lot of pain during that series, but he had a fantastic series. And then he went on in the World Series and they ended up winning. And actually, I think he ended up hitting like 412 in the playoffs in the World Series. It was kind of kind of cool. And he should have gotten the MVP for the series, but Mike Schmidt somehow <laughs> weaseled his way yeah. to the top yeah. of the well, I think it's only fair because he did change Brett's diaper. That's true. Yeah, that's true. He did. Yeah, he did change. Uh, so, but so Al, I, Kaline, Al Kaline used to change Bob's. Wow. Used to babysit, babysit there you go. From my parents. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't know if Brett told you this. When I was a kid, I begged my dad to take me to see the Phillies and the Giants at Candlestick Park. And it was helmet day, so they're giving away Giants helmets. But I begged my dad to buy me a Phillies helmet. Ah. So I had that plastic batting helmet, and it took me three months to try to put because uh, Bob had his his uh, his number on the back of his batting of, of his catcher's helmet, and it yeah. took me probably three months with an exacto knife to cut out <laughs> his number to put on the on the back of my hat. Oh and I'd gosh. walk around with it. The only kid in Northern California walking around with a plastic Phillies cap with Bob's number on the front. And I had to wear it backwards. <laughs> no course. matter what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. 
That is outstanding. Okay, so I have to ask you, I have to ask uh, Mr. And Mrs. Boone this. Give me the difference, Sue, between watching your husband play and the passion and the emotions of that and the passions of motion of watching Brett and Aaron and Matt versus Jake. Okay. Watching watching Bob's play, Bob play, it was when he was struggling, it was rough to watch. It was, it was hard because I wanted him, you know, I always wanted him to do really well. So when he was struggling, it was rough. But watching my kids play, oh, my gosh, it would, yeah, I, I can't really explain it. It's just, that's why when I went to Little League games and high school games and the parents would always say to me, you're not even nervous. And I said, well, I said, you know, I don't know. I, I'm watching them play and I'm pulling for them and I'm wanting them to do well. On that level, I was fine, not nervous at all. It wasn't until they got into the big leagues, then I was nervous for him, and I was more nervous than I was for my husband, for sure. No comparison. And then with, and then now with Jake. And now with Jake, we watch Jake play every day. I mean, we've got our games tuned in. We've got the Yankees game on. We've got Jake's game on, and then we watch Savannah's fiance with Oakland play. So we're watching. Six hours at least, if not more, of baseball every day. Every day. That is and awesome. Yesterday we had no games, and I Bahav had no idea what to do with himself. I mean, everyone was off yesterday. He was wow. like <sighs> crazy. All right. So so Booney, we need to wrap things up because we've we've gone longer, but this has been such a fun visit with your mom and dad. So Bob. And Sue, I know you 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 listen to the podcast. So we we do a couple things when we end up our our turning two with Booney. We ask what Brett's watching, and then we ask him for a Boone approved. So I'm gonna ask if you wouldn't mind joining us in this. So uh, you know, because Brett likes to watch and binge Netflix and Prime and everything else under the sun. So Booney, what are you watching now? All right, continued. I'm I'm one episode off on succession. Uh once again, i I can't tell you why it's gotten a little bit better in the last two. You know, I've been frustrated with the, the road it was going down, but I can't give it. If I tell you why it's getting better right now, then it'll ruin ruin it for the people that are just starting to watch Succession. So I, I got an episode of Succession in, and I started a new one, and it's called Treason. Oh, Pretty I saw good. that. I saw the preview for that. Two episodes. Once again, it's one of those. Uh, if you watch Terminal List, if you liked Terminal List, try this. What did I do? Then I went and, and I watched uh, Night Agent. Night Agent. And if you like Night Agent, you'll like this. Well, they pushed me to treason. I like the opening. I like the trailer. I'm two. Uh, I'm two episodes in. I think it's it's not going to be a Terminal List, but it's uh, it's a B level Terminal List. So it's entertaining. That's what I'm watching right now. What are Mr. What are Mr. And Mrs. Boone watching? Well, I give them suggestions all the time, and it's it's 80, 20, 80 being to the negative that they'll follow me up. I try to tell them how good Ozark is, how good I, this show is. Hey. They, Mom will give it an effort. Dad has a low, quick. She's he's got a short attention span. I watch Ozark, and I'm also one episode behind in Succession. Bob won't watch either one. Do you yeah, guys watch Yellowstone? Oh yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> 1883, Yellowstone, 1926. Yeah, we've watched all those. Bob watches The Lone Ranger. Yes. Uh, 
Well, Tales of Wells Fargo. Yep. The Rifleman. Love the Rifleman. Every day. Those are our go-tos every afternoon before the game. And um, that's about all he watches, I think. Well, we've got six hours of baseball every day. So Bob, Sue's been, I've been teaching Sue for the last several months. And Rich, uh, before what's the happening in the game, before <laughs> the pitch, the what? before the before the pitch clock, they would watch nine hours a day. That's true. <laughs> Bob, what's the best cowboy movie? What's your favorite cowboy movie? Oh, yesterday I watched uh, uh, Gene Autry. Gene Autry's game about about six episodes. Yeah, there was about six in a row. You know, I played for Gene Autry right. in uh, right. Anaheim. That was uh, that was really a privilege. I watched. I watched like four to six hours of of his shows uh, as a cowboy. I got the hat on. It was great. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) Okay. So last thing we do is Boone approved. So Mr. and Mrs. Boone, I know that you named him Brett, but he goes by the Boone uh, more often than not. So Boone approved, Brett. Cable television or cord cutting? Is cord cutting where you just get rid of your cable TV and you just use apps and streaming? Is that Boone approved? Uh, once again, what's my patented line right now? Context. Can I use context, Rich? It's your podcast. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I'll tell you, this is really intriguing to me, this cord cutting. And and I, I'm glad you gave me a verbiage for it now. It is cord cutting. I didn't know the official term for people that don't have cable boxes. I've been looking at my cable box. I watch a couple channels. I got the baseball channel, so I can turn in anything. But you can do that on an MLB app, I'm I'm pretty sure. I pay $400 a month in cable. I don't know why. I don't know why it's that expensive. Uh, and it and it kind of frustrates me to, to a degree. And I think if I went out and got YouTube, and I talk to my kids all the time, I said, what does that YouTube channel have? If you sign up for the whole thing, oh, it got, it's got everything. I said, okay. Then you got the Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Peacock. You can have them all. And you could probably do it for about half the price. But I, but I panic, Rich, because I panic because it's going to be Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Kids aren't going to be around. And I can't turn tune it into Channel 7. I got to go <laughs> on some app, and that's the one time I'm going to lose. So I continue to pay the $400. I'd have to say, if, if I get around to it and I put my mind to it and really kind of get into this century, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, I just so, don't know. So, I just so don't know line, if I'm going to do it. Bottom line is cord cutting Boone approved. Damn it. I've got to do it. It is approved. Boone approved. All right. We've gotten a little bit longer on this podcast, but it's been such a treat to have uh, Sue and Bob Boone joining us. Hey, don't forget. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, leave a review, leave us a five-star rating, tell your friends about it, share it, download the Odyssey app and uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your, your podcast. And I have to tell you, um, I hope we could do this again, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Boone. It has been such a pleasure hearing all of these stories firsthand from you that Brett shares about uh, his brothers and growing up and and uh, and Ray and Patsy and everyone else. It's just been it's just been a pleasure being able to catch up with you. And I hope we could do it again real soon. That'd be great. Thanks, Rich. We'll, really we'll try to come it. up with some more ammo. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I want all the dirt on Brett that is not fit for. For there's a lot there. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot. But again, thanks to to Brett's mom and dad, uh, Sue Boone, Bob Boone, uh, 
there's a reason why I'll just tell you this as we wrap everything up. There's a reason why all three of your boys are so successful. There's a reason why uh, I spent so much time with Brett. There's a reason why Aaron has been so successful. There's a reason why Matt's been so successful and it comes from that Boone family tree. So uh, as much as uh, I admire them. I admire you as well. And and you can tell the apple didn't fall far from the tree for Ray, from Bob, from from Brett, Aaron, and Matt, and all the way to, to Jake and Savannah and Isaiah and uh, um, and all the boys, uh, the twins, and Judah and and all of uh, all your other grandkids. Uh, there's something there's something special in that Boone name. So never doubt a Boone, whether it was <laughs> Daniel, uh, Bob, Ray, or any of the rest of the Boons. I really appreciate you all spending time with us. So. For everyone here at the Brett Boone Podcast, we appreciate you joining us. We'll catch up with you next time.